Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean. And this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss, it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are looking at a paper that is titled Body Storming, Exteroceptive Stimulation to Train Body Awareness. And this is by Linda Hirsch. And it's a really interesting paper that is so applicable to all aspects of um, life for us as people. And when we're focusing on riding in the equine industry. So body awareness is basically where we have a concept of where our arms are going, where our legs are going, those minute movements that we make. And those are something that over time with experience, um, we refine and that's why there's a skill to horse riding and to giving aids. But it is something that we can actually help build and we can work on too. And after reading this paper, it's something that I'm definitely going forward, going to kind of carve more time out to be aware of. But essentially in this paper, what they did was they looked at equestrian vaulters So vaulting has always fascinated me. This is the equestrian um, sport. And it's, I suppose, most basically described as gymnastics and dance on horseback. So it's practiced competitively and non-competitively. But this is where you see the horse going around the arena and people are doing the most incredible like handstands and they can work in teams as well. And, you know, one person's holding another person up and it's um, absolutely incredible to watch. And I think we've briefly mentioned vaulting previously when we were talking about the loads horses can take on their back because they used a vaulting study for that. Um, and I believe it was something like five people didn't seem to make a difference to the horse I'm not sure I'll put you on the spot there Nancy I'm not sure if you remember that yeah we're talking about rider weight I think um I think it was five I'm not a hundred percent but it was more than what I would have ever envisioned yeah and it's it is just absolutely incredible because the key to that that we've mentioned at the time was the movement of the horse and the movement of the people and they have control of their bodies So there is a great importance to being fit and having core strength when riding horses. But there's also this additional layer. And once you understand body awareness, this adds um, an extra, I guess, kind of finesse to your riding. So the body awareness is just trying to make you more in tune with what you're doing, whether your leg is in the right position, has your heel creeped up, you know, are your elbows back? And how can we improve this and make ourselves more aware, you know, when we're not doing a lesson and someone's pointing this out? So in this study, what they did was they used a couple of different tools to try and get the participants' brains ticking and to realize when their body was in an incorrect position or maybe where their body was at the time 
And they also drew on a couple of other um, studies and one which I wanted to point out, which I thought was so incredible. I'm trying to see if I can find the name of the um, researcher. But what they did was they took the a real-time heart rate of the rider and they projected it as a mandala, which is like, um, it's almost like a flower pattern. And they projected that so the rider could see the mandala appearing and disappearing to make them more aware of what their heart rate was doing and to get them to focus. And I just thought that was such an incredible way to take something that we wouldn't think about necessarily um, monitoring in the moment. We all have our fitness watches and things, but we wouldn't necessarily put that together that if we're riding and we're kind of in our heads and we might be getting a bit worked up and maybe it's not the best you know, session we're having, being able to physically see that your heart rate will start to lower when you start to think about it. Um, I must, I'll keep looking for his name. That was the Nori Newmark and George that was it. Uh, study in its cardiomorphologies and inner journey through art. And they would see that and it really helped them visualize and become more body aware. And then there was another study too along that line that, um, let me see if I can, it was... Um, see it was the autonomous nervous system which they took it outside the body and projected it through um you know seeing it via lights and sound and the results showed that participants felt like they got to know themselves better so that and that was uh, cut and Punkin. So it was this one researcher. The first one was Newmark and Cut, and then the second paper is Cut and Punkin. I'll put both those on our homepage because those studies are really interesting and just shows that sometimes when we can visualize body functions, we become so much more self aware. And this body awareness, they've broken down, um, well, they explain the three aspects that kind of make up the body awareness. So there's interoception, and we have exteroception, and we have proprioception. Interoception relates to the body's internal sensations. So think of ception as like feeling. So those internal sensations in intero for internal, is like hunger or tiredness. And these are also closely intertwined with emotions because we did mention in our podcast, um, I can't remember what episode, but where we're discussing the gut-brain barrier mm -hmm. um, or the gut-brain link and how that hormone ghrelin that's released in your gut signals your brain as well. So that's why we can emotionally eat. So that's interoception where we've hunger, tiredness, for example, intertwines with emotion. Then in comparison, exteroception is all consciously and unconsciously perceived external stimulation. So things that we can touch or feel. And a really great 
um, example I heard of this the other week was I was listening to a podcast that was just a comedy humor one, but they were saying the power of the brain that if you look at something in the room, like if you looked at the curtain or the lampshade and you imagine licking it, you you can almost feel what that texture would be, even though you would have never licked that object before. <laughs> so it's our our perception of external stimuli is really quite um, impressive. And then the last one was proprioception. So that comprises your somatic senses and that determines um, body positions to each other as well as to surroundings. So when you think about when you naturally sit, your arms and legs will position themselves in a certain way and a certain way that's comfortable. And you would maybe feel a little bit strange if your arm was just kind of akimbo out to the side or, you know, it's how your body is positioning in terms of itself, but also depending on if you're sitting on a hard chair, or if you're sitting on a soft couch, your body's going to position itself differently depending on that surrounding. So that was just really interesting to me because I thought it brought it together quite nicely that there are these three components, but basically what we're focusing on is the extraception, so that's external stimuli, and the proprioception, so our body basically positioning itself based on senses and other stimuli. And with these riders, that's what they wanted them to focus on. So they had five volt riders and they did two days of a workshop and um, four continued on in the second day. And they wanted them to become more aware of their positions, but using external stimuli to kind of trigger that. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that one of their precursor studies that they used was the Warren et al. study. And what they did is um, they applied vibration sensors to equestrians while they were um, riding their horses and they provided tactile feedback at concerned body parts that were physically not in the correct position. So that would be like they maybe gave a vibration or they gave a light that told the rider they needed to get in proper position. And it was interesting that they listened more to those tactile stimulations, that touch stimulation, than they did an auditory command. So that was real, that's a really interesting study. And that was kind of the springboard for this study. I think as well, the, brain's ability to multitask um, does definitely differ from person to person. But when you're riding a horse, you can obviously take in um, visual and auditory information, but you're really in tune with what you're feeling. So if you're in a lesson and it's an instructor and they're telling you what to do, you can take that in because you kind of, you're, you're focusing on those two things. But in my head, I thought, vaulting is um so dangerous if you're not focusing on what you're doing so maybe there's aspects of this particular sport where they really have to focus in on what they're feeling and how the horse is moving and sometimes that can limit 
um, being told something like being told to move a certain way might be harder to comprehend versus actually feeling a vibration. Okay, I need to move that that way. Yeah, it's really interesting. And then um, in this particular study, they use dog collars that had vibration sensors and they would place it on the problem body part. And then they also use duct tape and friction tape in areas as well. So it's, uh, it's a type of technology that I hadn't ever thought of before that you can remind your brain um, about body position. And that's so helpful because a lot of times horseback riding, you're thinking of so many things, you know, hands and legs and eyes forward and your plan where you're going, that it can be where you let one lag and then you have a trainer there to tell you what it is. But now with this type of knowledge, you could actually train by yourself in an arena and try the use of of some of these mechanisms to kind of help you. And they also talked about a human computer interaction training, and that's training body awareness with interactive technology. And that's, that's coming because they've got those saddle apps with the sensors that vibrate when you're doing something wrong. It's just they don't have it pinpointed to the human body part. They have it pinpointed to saddle pressure. But also we've kind of already been introduced to this by the use of our knee panels and thigh panels or rear panels in a um, saddle. So you've got your, um, I don't like to be locked in to a saddle. So I don't necessarily like the knee blocks or the thigh blocks on a saddle, but I will say they position your leg where via muscle memory, you'll get it eventually time after time. I kind of like more freedom. So I don't like feeling like I'm locked in to a position, but that's probably because of being more a thoroughbred person. I think it takes longer as well because um and I don't recommend doing this but uh years ago we used to put rising crops and we push our elbows back and put a rising crop through our two elbows to keep them back in line with our back oh when we were practicing I don't recommend that because that's not a safe thing to do when you're writing but they, I mean, I know they used to, elite dressage riders used to actually tie um, their leg in place or tie their elbows in place. But I think it's, um, I just to me, your muscle will train quicker if you have to keep reminding it and repositioning it. If you tie it in place or if you use those blocks, they're great for keeping you in position, but it's going to take a long time for the muscle memory to build for your leg to go there because for you know the beginning of using them up until however long you're just going to rely on pushing against them or the pressure against them so definitely worth just being more aware and repositioning i was wondering too if the kinesiology tape would not be something that a rider could use as a reminder because i thought back 
to the neural socks that we did a, a show on, an episode on. And I was wondering if, you know, you have trouble with your leg wanting to creep up into more of a chair seat if you didn't have, uh, you know, some friction tape or kinesiology tape on your ankle, say, to remind yourself your ankle should be under your hip. And, you know, those little reminders if they don't work. But th this really started me thinking because of body awareness and balance and all that. It's something we all have to work on, particularly as we age. You tend to lose that capability if you don't build it or you don't continue to work on it. I think that's so true. And I think something like the tape definitely could work. Um, I When we were in writing school when we were younger, I remember one specific time that the instructor took a leaf and we were preparing for a dressage competition that was coming up. Um, and I say competition loosely anytime I say competition, just to remind people because I'm not competitive. So these weren't high level competitions that I was entering. These are like the basic ones that I didn't have a choice but to enter because I was in pony club. <laughs> but they put a leaf under our bum and we were doing our cantering section. And it was to get us to have a deep seat. And at the end of when you did your figures of eight and you'd come back and they would check if the leaf was still there. And it was a brilliant way to get us to sit deeper because you knew the routine in and out. You practiced it so many times, but in your head, the whole time you're doing it, you're like, don't lose the leaf. Don't lose the leaf. <laughs> well, and you know, I think that's so true because this body storming, that's kind of like, uh, off of the word brainstorming, where they're all in an arena and they're looking for little things they can use as um, markers or as reminders. And, um, you know, one was a softball. They would use that and they do that because in so many other sports, you have a tennis racket or a ball in your hand. And in horseback riding, you have the reins, but you're trying not to put pressure on them mm -hmm. and use that for balance off your horse's mouth. So they had, and in vaulting, they grab that vaulting surcingle to pull themselves up. And a lot of times that horse is cantering when they do that. So I did think back on that episode, Kate, and it, it was five people and the difference between the weight of five athletic um, gymnastic type people in one rider is you can have a hundred pound rider be totally out of balance and totally clumsy. And that is harder on that horse than a 300 pound rider that's able to have full body control. And that's, that's incredible. That is the difference. I know there's a lot of, um, I don't know, uh, people think, you know, people have to be fitted to their horse, which is true. However, you can't judge 
uh, whether someone is too heavy for a horse or not, because you don't know their body control. And a lot of times light riders are horrendous on their horses because they'll slam on their backs and mouths and not be coordinated or balanced versus a larger rider that's highly adapted to body control. And so that's a big difference. But um, that was a part of the five riders that had total body control and could land very lightly on that horse's back. That's so true, though, about pairing the horses and riders. Because I remember I went to a camp one summer and we were paired with horses when we got there. And I remember arriving and, well, we were actually paired before we even got there. But I remember arriving and I went to the stable and my horse was Nora. And I looked (laughs) in over the stable door and I was like, I think I had to have been like maybe, maybe not even 13. But I remember thinking, this is some kind of mistake. (laughs) Like It was this little cob pony. And I went up to the instructor and I was like, I'm too tall for this horse. Like I I could rest my arm over its back, like just casually. And and my arm wasn't extended above my shoulder doing that, basically. And I remember just being like, there's no way. And she was like, no, that that horse has taken men. Like you're you're absolutely fine, and I I couldn't believe it. Like when I got on, it, it was just she was a different build altogether. You know, she wasn't your typical light bones pony. Wow. Um, now, so it is it is impressive. How was your center of gravity on that pony? I tell you, I don't even think I had a chance to think about it. So, well, she was quite wide, so she was like a cob pony. Um. So she she had a bit of a booty on her, I guess you could say. So you had a big, you almost had a big seat when you were sat. But she, when I say she was push button, like I remember we did a cross country competition. And when the woman was counting down for me to go, she just goes three, two, one. And as she's counting down, Nora starts shifting her weight back onto her haunches. And she did a running start. Like she, when the woman said one, the pony launched. And (laughs) I never had a more enjoyable experience in my life because I literally didn't have to do anything. I just like sat there and we sailed around the course. And I remember even at one point I was just laughing because she was just clearing jump after jump. She knew the entire route. And the best part about her, which took me a couple of days to get used to, was that she would do a halting stop. So she was like basically trained to take off as quick as possible and stop as sharply as possible for these kinds of competitions. Nancy, I thought so many times I was going to go through a fence. Like so many times I was like, she's not going to stop. She's not going to stop. And she wouldn't turn either. She be determined she's heading for the finish line and she would just halt so I imagine my balance was pretty good I never fell off her (laughs) but it's it was just oh it was an incredible experience like and that's why it's so important too if you're always riding your horse and this happened to me for years 
you become so in tune with your horse and that's great. But you have to take opportunities to go and ride other horses too. Because I think it does, it shows you, you know, they carry themselves differently. It makes you shift your body and you work in a different way. And I just think it it keeps you learning. Yeah, in this study, I'll put a link. I don't believe it's um, open access, but you're able to read the abstract. And um, the neat thing is they put these vaulters on a barrel horse first, which um, is like, a, um, I don't know, it would be just a stationary, um, what would you call it, Kate, like I think it's like a like a mock horse, like a simulation for them to practice on. So they could swing up on that and get body control. And, you know, I think sometimes it wouldn't be bad for us in teaching beginners how to get on a horse. Definitely. How to have one of those, because it reminded me of just, you know, a, um, a thing that a mechanism that is innate that can hold a saddle and help people learn how to distribute their weight when they're getting on. And then they would progress to the real horse. And, um, you know, that seemed to really bring a lot of good points out from this vaulting, uh, the vaulting team. And then also um, the dog collar, they said that that was better um, form of reinforcement than someone telling them what to do. So it, it seems like we tend to listen more with our brains uh, when it's a tactile stimulation or exterior stimulation. Yeah, I think this is just a fascinating read. Um, definitely one that I wouldn't have picked myself. So thank you so much, Nancy, for coming up with this and finding this paper. Cause I think it's just, it's that extra nuance to writing that has really gotten me thinking over the last couple of days. And I think hopefully it gets everyone else thinking too, just yeah. about how you're rising, how you're holding yourself. Um, and you can, you definitely can build your body awareness. I think one one easy, simple tip is yoga is great. And um, my favorite part is at the very end of yoga when you do the meditation and you just lay on the mat. But when you do that, you can do body scans. So that's like a big thing in meditation or even to check in with yourself. Body scans are great um, just to check in and how are you feeling. So it's where you just lie down, relax your whole body and just think from head to toe about relaxing every part of your body. And, you know, when you get down to like your ankles, relax your ankles. Do they feel okay? Does one feel a little funny? That's kind of like your body scan. So checking in with yourself the whole way down. But actively learning to relax each muscle, really tricky. And you'll realize if you start with your toes and work the way up, by the time you get to like your stomach and up to your shoulders, you'll have tensed your toes again. So it's a great, um, I suppose, mind workout to keep going back and starting again and relax each muscle the whole way up. And it does make you a little bit more aware of each one. 
I thought, yeah, I think that's great advice because so much of the time it just takes uh, consistency and um, discipline. And um, I think it works. I think in the long term, it, it's just you need a lesson every once in a while for someone to be in the center of the arena giving you direction. But it doesn't mean when you practice, you can't use some of this external stimuli to remind you. And I think that's part of that mental process. Definitely. Well, I think that's everything I had for this paper. Do you have anything else to add, Nancy? No, it, it was just something to think about and also, I think, to use. So um, that's all I had. I'll definitely put links to the other three papers that we've mentioned um, that this paper used as reference as well. And then everything will be on the homepage. Perfect. And if you do have any um, research areas you want us to look into or even just any areas like that if you just think about your day-to-day -day, what you'd like to know a little bit more about and um, you can literally just drop us one line or it can be as broad or as narrow as you want you could say hooves and we'll look into something with hooves so uh -huh. any part you're interested in or you'd like more information then you can get us on our social media so on Facebook, it's Conversations in Equine Science. And on Instagram, it's Conversations.EquineScience. And then Nancy and I are also both contactable um, via LinkedIn. Okay, well, thanks, Kate, for joining in. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Nancy. Take care. Bye-bye.